0: Well, hello, everybody. This is Trevor This is uh, episode number 134 of the Running 44 at 60 podcast. And, uh, well, our first one of 2024. So a happy new year to you and good luck with all your running plans for 2024. I'm going to share, tell you a little bit about in a minute how you can share those on this podcast as well. Now, I've got a fantastic guest for this episode, Dr. Kaz Williams, who's based in Chamonix. Who wasn't an ultra runner, but now is very much an ultra runner is also a performance psychologist, a certified running coach as well as being an ultra runner and she's going to share some really great tips and ideas for how to deal with the mental side of running. So if you're in for the arc of attrition, which most of you are listening to this, I know are involved in somewhere along the line, this could be a great episode for you whether you're in the 50 or the 100 or indeed any event that you've got coming up in 2024 where at some point... You're going to need a little bit of a mental boost because you're, you know, part of you'll be saying, "Oh, come on! You've got to stop now!" and all this is, you know, we can't go on. We can't go on. So it's fascinating stuff. I really enjoyed the episode with Kaz. So uh, you know, tune, you know, keep tuning in throughout the whole of this episode to listen to some some fantastic stuff on that score and. Uh, I'll put in the show notes all the links to everything that Kaz does, her website and all the running tips that she's offering and all that sort of stuff. So really, really great stuff. Now, before we go along and meet Kaz, uh, just a little shout out for the Cornwall Running Show, which is coming your way on Sunday, January the 14th at the Heartlands Complex, which is just off the A30 in Cornwall. So very easy to get to. The show is uh, being put on by Tracy Waite, and uh, in the episode, I think it was 132, Tracy was on the podcast talking about The Running Show and all the great things that are going on there. But there's an addition to that because there's also a film premiere at 3 p.m. The film was made by Toby Lowe, and it features uh, a lady who was running the Ark of Attrition 100 and didn't finish, but then she did finish the second year, and Toby was there to film it throughout. So it's going to be a great, great episode. It's Ali Bailey who he features in the film, and the film's getting its premiere at three o'clock at the running show. And the running show itself is ten till three, and then straight into the premiere. Now, on the next episode of the podcast, which will be coming up very shortly, I've got Toby on that on the podcast talking about the uh, the film uh, as well as his own running and particularly his fell running. So that's something to look forward to as well. So there's some great, there's some amazing people going to the running show. Everybody, you know, there's, a, there's going to be a sauna there as well. You can book slots on that. So if, look at The Running Show on the Facebook page or the website page. There's going to be massage uh, clinics there. There's going to be uh, chiropractic clinics there. There's clothing. My friend uh, Umberto from Absolute360 will be there. There's going to be some fantastic running clubs are there. Mad Hat Sports, John Yelland, who's been on this podcast. There's a guided run at 9.30 before uh, the event takes place as well, so it's all going to be great fun. You don't have to buy a ticket; it's free to take part in any of the things that are going on. Just look up the Facebook page, look up the website, and you can get involved. So uh, to you know, make that a date in your diary: Sunday, January the fourteenth, at the Heartlands Centre in Cornwall, and it's going to be an action-packed day. And You could also appear on this podcast if you come along because I'll be there with all the recording equipment and I'll be doing short little two-minute snippets with people like you saying, right, come and tell me what your plans are for 2024 and then I'll do a podcast episode spooling them all together, okay, and uh, that will be fantastic. So there we go. That's that. So without further ado, let's go over and meet performance psychologist Dr. Kaz Williams all the way from Chamonix. Hey, so Cass, it's great to have you on the podcast. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, please?
1: Trevor, thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you today. Uh, My name is Dr. Kaz Williams. I'm a performance psychologist, a running coach, and an ultra runner myself. My journey has been very organic. Uh, I started running, doing a few 10Ks, got into trail running, moved to Chamonix, and then the whole world of ultras, Opened up to me. I think that's probably uh, the best way to describe it.
0: Because uh, Chamonix is the kind of capital of ultra running, isn't it?
1: It's Well, it's certainly become that, hasn't it, over recent years. I moved here in about 2010, 11 full time. And yeah, I didn't. So I came for the winters. You know, people know Chamonix is a, a ski resort as well. And it was only that my first summer here that this, um, yeah, trail running um, hit my radar. And <laughs> I I got to... You know watch the ut the start of the utmb it was absolutely you know got, i've got goosebumps thinking about it now but it was a very magical moment and that's where my journey kind of started
0: were you, were you an ultra runner when you moved to chamonix or, or was that no no you weren't okay not at
1: all no all oh, right no. okay i started with um there's the marathon de mont blanc at the end of june uh then i moved and it was it's very gradual you know a, a 42 mountain mountain race there's a, a 50K race in the September called the Trail des Rouge, And at that time, it was more about you just build up points to get into UTMB races. And so over a number of years, I built up the points and started applying. It was a li- probably a little easier to get into then. Um, I got into the CCC, <laughs> TDS and UTMB in successive years, which is quite unusual. Um, but it was a fantastic experience.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting what you say about you know getting a bit easier to get in because... Um, I had an old uh, college friend of mine on this podcast a year or so ago called Davey Hall who um, has, has unfortunately got injured and long retired from running but he talked about doing the UTMB 20 odd years ago where you just literally turned up <laughs> <laughs> handed over a, a bit of money signed up and he did it three years on the trot just like that just turning up and taking well, part uh, really um, you know no points or you know accreditations or anything so uh, yeah. yeah 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 so so tell tell us what, what I'd really like to know um, as we get into this podcast is about performance. You know the psychology of performance. We've got the arc of attrition, fifty and hundred coming our way down here in Cornwall very soon. I know a lot yeah. of the listeners are in for that, so I'm hoping that you'll uh, you'll be able to share some thoughts and ideas with them on that. But I'm also interested on this podcast, Kaz about uh, a couple of uh, events that you've done which we've never had anybody on before talking about. So I'd just like to uh, the Tahoe and the Moab. So um, tell us a little bit about those events.
1: So. As I just said, my trail running, ultra running journey has been quite organic. I've kind of, races have sort of found me. I've kind of taken that approach to it in that if I didn't get into a race, there's so many incredible races out there. And through travel, that's when I started going to the States each year and and finding a race. And the, the 200, um, 200 mile series by Destination Trails was a kind of, it was quite new. Um, I think it would only been running for a few years when I did Tahoe 200 and it, you know, it's the challenge Trevor, isn't it? it like, like <laughs> always, we, we we do, you know, running is incredibly powerful. Once we achieve something, it kind of asks a lot more questions. We're like, oh, well, if I've done that, could I run a little further? Could I go a bit <laughs> faster? And so, I mean, there was a joke, you know, 200s becoming the new 100s. But I think Mm. even like a 50k race is incredibly challenging. A 200 mile race is challenging. And I think, you know, even if we talk about different race series, UTMB has had some controversy over recent years. But I think there's space for everything. There's space for all distances, all terrain. And I think that's the beauty of our sport. So for the 200s, oh, it was a big challenge. It was a big step up. I mean, the mental barrier at hitting 100 miles uh, was I? You know, I, I. It felt like as if you know you're running towards an elephant. It was just going to go. You know, <laughs> like you, you can't go any further. But you know, we like like anything. We break it down. We break it down into small pieces. Um, and you know, one aid station leads to the next. Uh, I think when I said told a friend I was signing up for the two the Moab two forty, they were a bit like, "Well, it's only forty more miles. Forty <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> more miles." But But, you know, it's that kind of notion, everything with ultra running, as we know, and what you've experienced yourself, there's so many elements to it. We have to do the training. We have to get our nutrition dialed, you know, on the longer events, there's sleep strategies and you have to focus on that. Then there's the mental game. So it's not just one thing. And I think with our, you know, by paying respect to everything that we need to bring into play, that's where there's the stronger performances in athletes.
0: That's interesting what you say when you got to the hundred mile marker in a two hundred mile race. I mean, was that a, was that a point, Cas, where uh, you you know your your mind was saying, "Oh, great, I've done hundred miles," and then, "Oh, I'm only halfway."
1: <laughs> I think so, and I would probably say, you know, very honestly, in nearly every race, I probably. Decide and go, well, I suppose 100 isn't too bad. I can stop at 100 if I want to, but you know, that's not the point. And I, I do joke as well in that, you know, I've paid to go to these races, I've chosen to do this. You know, if I can keep walking, if I can keep running, if I can keep moving, you know, I'm I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do these things. And until I think, what did I see a post, you know, some of the uh, gorgeous banners that people put up at races, like, um, one day I'm not going to be able to run, and today isn't that day i mean you know it's like <laughs> we lean on anything don't we anything to help us get through those dark times which we'll probably yeah, come on to in a yeah. bit
0: but it isn't it is fascinating what you say there because you know whenever i was out uh between christmas and new year with some friends on the coastal path down here in cornwall and we're going how lucky are we you know just the fact that we're out here and we're able to run uh, you know especially as you know one or two of us are you know a little bit older now and uh things like that, you know, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause when I did the classic quarter, uh, when you say about getting to the hundred mile marker, somebody said at one point during the race, there will be a mental breakdown moment and you've just got to deal with it. And it was at 20 miles. I thought, Oh, 20 miles. That's great. I've done 20 miles. Brilliant. And then, and then on the other side, it said, you've only got 24 to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. And for a minute or two, that was a really big problem. Um, but then I thought, Oh, come on, you know, you know, you've got all this sorted. Um,
1: yeah, how did you overcome that? What, did you, what tactics well, did you use, Trevor? Well, my, ta- my
0: tactic, uh, because it was roughly 45 miles, it was called 44 at 60, but it turned out to be roughly 45 miles. So I broke the whole thing down into 15 park runs, which okay. is roughly every three miles. Every three miles, I had a, a routine. Um, I, I ate something. I drank something. I recorded a, bit, a snippet for this podcast. Um, and I, wow. also, I also named each park run based on my own park run experiences. And I used the furthest away for the first one so that the last one would yeah. be my home park run because oh. I'd done around about 15, 20 different park runs. so that was how I, I, I thought, oh, I've only got 14 park runs to go now. And then that's still, amazing. another three miles has gone and you're back to your food. And by the time you've eaten and drunk, and I I was my my strategy was to eat be- small amounts, very, very slowly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it might take me half a mile to eat half a hot cross bun or something ridiculous, you know, but but uh, that was my strategy anyway. But um, yeah. so those events, um, when did you when did you launch into the 200s and the 240s? Then when did you do those?
1: So that was, 2016 was when I did, tw- uh, sorry, 2017 was when I did Tahoe 200. Okay. Um, the following year I did Moab. That was the same year I did Barclay. And then um, then COVID kind of hit. I okay. did UA 100. Um, so, yeah, there's been um, a few. So I try and, I have lots of, you know, I run a lot in France. I do a lot of the local races. Um, and then I will pick a race each year in the States and make that my my adventure. So, I mean, th- there's so many, well, I mean, like I said, the risk is endless with the races. So we've got so many opportunities. Uh, so I kind of, yeah, I try and find a different state, a different challenge. Maybe it's a different terrain, uh, a different format. I did a looped race, which was the Across the Years, which is just finishing today, I think. Oh,
0: because... yes. I, I did yeah. some research on that. Yeah. 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 yeah so, um,
1: yeah, that's where that's where kind of my choice, of the, like I said, my race is pretty much... Um, come to me. I mean, I t- I'm talking to other runners who who will say, Hey, have you heard of this race? You should try this one. And that kind of plants a seed and you look at it up and you <laughs> go, Oh, now that, and then you get that nervous excitement feeling, don't you? Where you go, yeah, Oh, yeah. could, well, could, that, I, could yeah. I really do that? Yeah. Um, well,
0: yeah. that's hopefully what will happen on this podcast cast because, uh, you know, <laughs> listeners will say, Oh, I've never, I've never thought about doing a 200 or a 240 or indeed across the years, which will come around, you know, again at the end of December yeah. this year, um, which I think is, uh, looking at the research I did, six days, 400-odd miles.
1: Yeah, I know. It's incredible. But you, you, there's more and more 200-mile races um, starting in the UK. Lots of incredible challenges. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges in UK is obviously the weather, um, whether it's Scotland, Wales, or England. I mean, the, <laughs> the weather can be incredibly brut- brutal, even in August, as we know. Uh, so every race – and that's the thing, regardless of the races being mostly annual – um never, a race is never the same you know one year one year utmb will be you know 32 degrees the next year it's thunderstorms and snow you know so yeah. it's quite every race brings its own challenges well all
0: the all the uh, all the people who are listening to this who are planning to do the next big event down here in the southwest possibly in the uk the arc of attrition at the end of january will know yeah. that for the last 2 years or so um it's been very dry you know hardly a drop of rain underfoot conditions good Um, this year, it could be a lot different. We've had a lot of rain. It could be really quite slippery and muddy and and everything. So what I'm hoping, uh, Cass, is that you'll be able to share a few ideas for those people, particularly, I guess, those are in the 100. But, you know, the 50 is the same in terms of, you know, a a challenge for a lot of people. Some some thoughts and ideas around how they can cope with this from a, a kind of psychological point of view.
1: So imagine the scenario. Your race isn't going to plan. The next aid station is 5k away and you've decided to quit. So how many of us have been in that position? I know myself you know this is one of my probably light bulb moments early in my trail running when I realized that it was my mental game that was letting me down on a particular race and it's a story I've shared lots of times because I hope if somebody is ever in the same position as me they do something different. So I was running down off a mountain, I could see the aid station, I decided I was going to quit went straight in there, met a volunteer and I said, you can cut my bib game over. That was it. <laughs> but what I would share with athletes now, and you know, we're kind of, we we'll are probably like ping around here with the, the, with the arc coming up, but if that's how you feel that in, you know, that kind of determined in that moment, don't, don't just quit, sit down find somewhere, have a chat with somebody, speak to a volunteer, speak to another runner, take a beat, take five minutes, 10 minutes. If you've got the time and you're not at the cutoffs take a moment because I promise you, your race can turn around in that moment. And if you can walk, I if you can walk (laughs) to an aid station table to get some food, you can walk out to that aid station. And I can't promise you it will be two minutes, two miles, 2K, 20 minutes, two hours, but you will turn that race around. And as like you said, hitting that that, um, 20 mile marker for you, sometimes it can be just a matter of getting back out there and you go, oh my God, I've just done another 5K. Oh, I'm back in the game. You know, it can switch in any moment. So for me, that's where I think I knew that I had to really work on my, oh, that was letting me down. So I needed to put the effort in. So mental toughness isn't just, you don't just have it or you don't. It's not that um, mentally tough people never fail. That's, they do fail. What they do is they figure out what happened and then they come up with a plan to then try and prevent it from happening again. So they find the tools to be able to deal with challenging situations, or as we talk about it, going into the pain cave, deep into the pain cave. And I think on some of the bigger races, one of the things that I certainly do now, I mean, I, I imagine my tool belt around me and things I'm gonna pull out, whether it's you know <laughs> literally or metaphorically, um, but the minute I find myself uh, deep in that pain cave and the negative thoughts start spiraling, I try and welcome it. I go, Oh my goodness, you're here. Like, old friend, (laughs) like, you know, welcome. This is the moment that I've been waiting for because ultimately that's what these ultras do. They chat, you know, these big events, they challenge us. Why we sign up for them to see what we're made of. Um, so like I said, mental toughness is a skill and we can work on it, but it's important to do it in the same way as we practice our nutrition and hydration, Um, When we do our 20 to 30 minute um, check-ins, head to toe checks, have we eaten something? How's our shoes feeling? Do we have any blisters? So it's important that we can then have some tools to access in the same way we might take a sock off and change it. We want something to lean on when we find ourselves in those dark moments. And so some of the things that you can do like free race is really know what your strengths are. Do a strengths audit. Like our strengths are our, you know, a u- unique combination of our skills, our talents, our knowledge and experience. And this is a moment where, you know, this is just you with you. You know, you don't have to be humble, absolutely identify everything that you shine at. So if I was to say to you, Trevor, what's your biggest strength when you're running or you're ultra, what would you say yours is?
0: I think mine is the ability just to keep going. Um, I'm not very fast. Um, um, but I'm I'm pretty good up the hills, and I seem to get stronger the longer the race goes on. I mean, within reason, obviously. But yeah, yeah I th- I think it would be. I think my my preparation and planning and linking that to my certainly for my classic quarter experience. I yep. I went into that thinking I've got absolutely no doubt whatsoever I'm going to finish this. The only the only thing that if, if I fell off the cliff, then obviously I wouldn't. But apart from that. I knew I'd got everything absolutely nailed in. So I was very confident mentally um, that I'd done the preparation, I'd done the planning.
1: Yeah, you've hit the net, that's a really important aspect because I think when we're training, when we're at home, when we're having rest days, when we're in recovery, we're doing our foam rollering, if we've got our race coming up so we know when it is, that visualization of you finishing that race is incredibly powerful. Now we can do it in our thought. We can just think, hey, the race is coming up. I know what the finish line is going to be like, or it might be a race that you're traveling to and you've got no idea what the finish line is going to be like until you reach it. But you've got to see yourself crossing that line. Imagine roughly what time of day it's going to be. If you've got crew with you, are you going to be high-fiving? Are you going to like dance across the line, do a jump? (laughs) Are you going to crawl if you're in so much pain, but are you going to see yourself crossing that line? And that in training and before the race is really important. That is something we have to invest in, and sometimes um, so visualization works. I mean, every aspect that I'm going to mention as you know, could be an hour's chat on its own. But visualization is really good sometimes. As we're going to sleep, we're relaxed, we're calm, and we just start thinking about our race. And it can be a one-minute thought: I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this race, you know, and repeat. And it's almost like I'm gonna do this. When we're in the race, don't focus on the finish line. Because the more we go, oh, it's like 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles away. <laughs> what we need to, what we need to focus on the race is the next aid station or the next 5k as you did with your breaking it down. So having that, that is a really important aspect that we can do pre-race is really see ourselves finishing that race. So you hit, that's a really good, you've already got that that tool. Well, it, it's
0: interesting what you say about the finish line cast, because in the classic quarter you get to the last aid station is called the Minack, is at the Minack theatre, iconic place down here. And, um, you're, you're five or so miles away, and my my one goal was to get there before the cutoff because then you're, okay. you, you're free to finish. But people did say to me, I'd never run that the final section. They say you will see Land's End, which is the finish, several times, and it never oh, gets God. any closer. <laughs> so don't don't look up, don't look at it. <laughs> and 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 you, and it's exactly what you do. You go down, you come up this thing, you can see it. Ah, oh, it's not very far away. Then you, suddenly you're going down again, and then back up again, and that continues on several times. That's um but yeah that's that's really interesting because uh, you know in the Arc hundred, people are going to be out there well, they've got thirty six hours to complete it, yeah, um a lot of that will be in the dark um and do you find that from your experience, is it harder mentally to run in the dark than in the light, or is that just something you you get used to so
1: from a kind of um personal aspect i love running in the dark i really enjoy the night running um even if the conditions are challenging i find that because probably by that point you will spread out a lot more so you have a lot of solo time or you might be with two or three other runners and you you know you quite you kind of maybe um leapfrog each other so i love the nighttime running but from um a, i suppose physical would be the right word um i learned a hard lesson in that i had like a, a 30 buck um head headlamp when i first started trail running my first night race, I'm on this trail and like this beam came behind me. It's lit my shadow on the trail. <laughs> and like, I was like, oh my goodness. And this, this girl came storming past me, you know, excuse me, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I was like, what? And she lit my trail for me and then she disappeared. I went back to this like. <laughs> to <jizz. laughs> so if you want to run fast at night, you get a good headlamp. So right. that's kind of like, that does make a difference. I would also say is that kind of slightly aside from the mental aspect, but always test your headlamps. We know we have lots of apps with them. Now I use the the Petzl now, plus I've got three different settings. I know the duration because certainly for the arc being very long, it'll be a long night rather than, you know, middle of summer. So they need to know that their head torch will last that duration at a beam that they're happy with running. Um, Certainly on technical trails and the backup torch, it's just, I'm, I go off on tenders, but the backup torch is generally if you're changing the battery for your main. So have that main torch is the one that you rely on. That's your kind of like your go-to. So that's night. Yeah. nighttime running is great. I love it. <laughs> if you haven't done it again, actually, if you've got a month before the race, get out in the dark now. I mean, it's easier because they're not, you know, got dark mornings and dark evenings, but, um, get out there, get on some trails where you perhaps haven't got street lamps and practice with your head torch.
0: So you talked about doing a strengths audit.
1: Yep. What, the next one is like, so your training diary. So if you've put in the work, we start getting closer to race day and we start questioning everything we've done. Um, and so write, we, evidence suggests that when we write things down, we better process what we're experiencing. And before a race, I'll always suggest to our athletes, go back through your training. Remind yourself of those long runs that you put in on a cold, snowy, icy, wet December. Um, these, you know, that's when you you were building mental, even though you might not have been aware of this, you were building mental toughness during that race, and remind yourself, oh yeah, I did do four hours in sleet and snow, and you know, <laughs> seven o'clock at night when i would just done a twelve hour day, you know. So use your training diary as an anchor to kind of remind yourself when you're coming up to your race. It's it's say it's race week of all the great training you've put in, but if you've um if you've still say you've used treadmills through the winter and you've kind of kept it a bit cushy you've still got a month to get out there and do something outside your comfort zone so we've mentioned running at night if it's hammering down even if you go out for a 20 minute run check your kit it's it's imagine leaving your house is the equivalent of leaving an aid station okay it's hammering with rain just say you're going to do 5k you know I'm not saying that you're going to have to beast yourself but let's say it's a wet night you imagine you're leaving an aid station at eight o'clock at night into the rain test your gear, see what your waterproof trousers is like. I mean, let's hope for a really dry arc, shall we? That would be <laughs> you know, amazing for the runners, but things like that, it's getting outside our comfort zone. If if we're talking about different races, if you have a big climb to the start of a race, the, um, the 90K part of the Marathon de Mont weekend here is a brutal, I think like 1,000 or 12,000 meter climb right from the get-go. You know, so if you're nervous about that, that's something you need to practice in training. So try and expose yourself to perhaps the specificities of your race. That, even though it's, it's doing physical work, it's actually building your mental toughness.
0: That's interesting what you say about your training diary. When I first did my first marathon 20 odd years ago, my friends uh, said, two, do two things. One is complete a, a manual training diary, which I still do now. Um, second thing was get a subscription to a running magazine. But the training diary, yeah. Great tip, you know, go back through it because some of the conversations I've had with my friends who were doing the ARC is about, I was asking them, so when do you start to taper? And it's almost as though those who have not really done anything like this before are, are, are reluctant to taper too early because they yeah. feel that it'll all disappear. Yeah. You know, if they don't run for a week, they'll lose everything, you know, which is crazy, obviously. But I, I imagine looking through your training diary can be helpful in getting over the fact that you can taper and it won't affect your performance ultimately.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think, again, these are all sort of pre-race. Have a really honest conversation with somebody, um, whether it's a loved one, your coach, or if you have crew, um, your why for this race. You know, actually say, hey, can I just share with you why this race is really important to me? I mean, I know that's a buzz thing at the moment, you know, knowing your why. But I think sometimes, unless we say it out loud, it's the same as writing it down or write it down somewhere. I am doing this race because... And it can be a whole host of reasons. It can be because you love the community of that race, or it's your first of that particular distance, or it's a race that you DNF previously and you wanna go back. So I think having that conversation, because again, when it's two o'clock in the morning, hammering with rain, you almost wanna be able to smile and go, oh my goodness, I asked for this, I'm doing this. <laughs> I really wanted to do this because, and you have that, that why that's a really important aspect. Um, And I think it's, it's then about, so we've come, you know, we put all that um, time and effort into our kit, our logistics, our race preparation, which you talked about. This is all really important stuff. You know, you can't rock up at these races and, you know, just packing the stuff in the, in the, you know, the morning or whatever, you know, the number of times I've unpacked and repacked my, my, my vest, you know, with, did I really put the waterproof gloves in? You know, everything (laughs) comes back out again. But I think, an important thing is you get everything ready, everything that you know, whether it's the obligatory equipment, your pack, how it sits, where it around the house, run up and, you know, because it feels very different to our training packs generally. Um, and then sit down and write one of the other um, things I ask athletes to do is the what if plan. Right. Now, this this isn't about um, what would be the word, like the law of attraction by saying it, you're going to in, 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 attract it. But really i think one of our jobs as ultra runners is our ability to be able to adapt and overcome things um in the moment because we don't know you know we do an eight hour run to know what an eight hour run feels like it's an, only eight hours will you know how you're feeling thinking how your stomach is how much you know so i think your what if plan and i always use the example i've had two examples is a pole snap you know if a pole snaps what are you going to do And then the other one is the drop bag doesn't arrive. What are you going to do? So you think of all all the worst things. You fall and you hurt yourself. I'm not injured, but you cut your knee or something. Just try and think through, okay, what would I do? Okay, you get your first day. Okay, you deal with it. I think this is, if we're sitting on our sofa with our cup of tea, you know, a week before the race, if you go through all the possible things that could go wrong, when you're in the race and say it does happen, you can thank the you of the. The you sitting on the sofa going, ha, I thought this one through. I know what I'm going to do. And I think that as a strategy is because we need, it's about energy. So we have so much, we only have so much energy. And that energy we want to put into running. We don't want to expend it panicking or worrying that we've broken a pole. We've got one pole, we carry on. Our drop bag's not there. The aid station will have food. We've got our obligatory kit with us. We're going to be okay. You've done a long run without a drop bag before. And so really try and think things through and mitigate if you can um scenarios that you think might happen for you.
0: So it, it sounds like you're you're taking out the potential surprises.
1: Exactly. That's a good good way of putting it. Because you want to conserve that energy.
0: Yeah. 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 Because also I think um inevitably when you're doing this, and i I found this to a certain degree, you you do think about things, you start to think about things that could happen, even though you know they're not going to or there's very unlikely there's a very small minute chance and then of course that in your mind that can kind of escalate a bit more as well you know i remember a part of the part of the classic quarter course towards the about three quarters of the way in there's quite a when i did the recce run there's quite a dramatic edge of the cliff moment and um when i did it on my own in training i was thinking oh my god this is a bit close to the edge not having you know a great sense of height anymore and things like that and but in the run itself, I was running by that time I was running with a lad who was quite a lot younger than me and and I'd met him about two-thirds of the way in. He was gonna pack up actually. And I said, Well, just run with me for a bit. And then he said, and then he came back and then he went off. And then he came back and he said, Oh, can we just keep running together? I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we got to that bit, I was the kind of I was put myself in the position of being the race leader for, you know, <laughs> the two of us. So I said, Oh, I know where this bit goes, follow me round this round this output. And I went straight around it, never even thought about it. Because I was kind of showing yeah. him the way. Um, and my concern that it, I was, when I got there in the race, my legs would be really tired. And I was thinking, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> and it, and it just, I just went, I went straight through it because, um, I was kind of having to, you know, I put myself in that position of, of our little group yeah. leader.
1: Yeah. And I think, and things like that. So what you achieved then I would say that's a small win, you know? So when we're in the race, make things like, and we do it in training a small win so when we we want to celebrate um everything that builds and lifts our confidence and you know i kind, i think i took this from a program years ago which is the self high five so if you've got nobody else to high five you self high five and you're just going to go yes i've just done that aid station <laughs> take it off the list i always carry a little race profile so i know you know you kind of know the progress that you're making um because it it gives us that reassurance that we're on the right track and even those small wins, whether it's reaching um, maybe the halfway point just a little bit sooner than you thought you would, really celebrate every one of those small moments along the way. Pick other people up as well. Good, and you know, good, good karma. That's the trail running community is beautiful in that way. I've had runners kind of go, hey, run, you know, tuck tuck on the back behind me. Let's do a couple of K together. And then you kind of pass it forward and somebody else you want to check, you know, if somebody's on the. But you also know if somebody's got their head in their hands and you go, hey, buddy, are you okay?" If the answer is, yeah, I'm fine, just go. You go, "Okay, I'll I'll just leave you to, you know, that moment as we all have them at some point. Um, And I think that notion, I mean, self-talk is a huge subject. But just to touch on it is when we recognize our, our thoughts are spiraling, it's not a case of saying, Um, So say we're saying like, oh, I'm rubbish, I'm going to be last, I'm not going to finish popular. It's not trying to say stop thinking of them, because the more we say, don't think like that, the more we start thinking it really is acknowledging them. And then trying to change, trying to disrupt your thought pattern. So it's thinking of something else like you, like you were talking about um, trying to make something last, eating something and making it last a long time, you know, put some, like say you've got a chew or something, put it in your mouth and I'm going to make this last five minutes. And it's a battle between you and the chew, or <laughs> you've got a song that, you know, if you say, if you run with, if you don't usually run with music, but you save one track that, you know, is going to boost you, you know, so our self-talk is really important that comes into or kind of um has parallels with having a mantra for a race um, my mantra for last year pretty much was focus and then relax so i would focus on something i would say let's do my head to toe check how are my feet feeling have i eaten something and then i'd say okay we can relax for 20 minutes now let's just enjoy this course but i'd keep bringing it back to that mantra um so what have I got written down here is like smiling, smiling is a strategy, like when it's lashing with rain you got I paid for this that's another great <laughs> one. Um, and always remind yourself that it could be worse. You know, so it could be it gets cold, then it gets cold and it's raining and you can go, well, it's not snowing. And then it starts snowing. Go, well, it's not freezing fog. You know, there's always some scenario. But then you see a beacon, you see an aid station and a light. And doesn't that light just energize you? you go, I've made it to that one. I can make it to the next one and then I can make it to the finish.
0: Well, I, th- I think for me also, um, as I mentioned, I think earlier, you know, I think uh, in those in those moments you you think, I remind myself how lucky I am that I'm actually able to be out there and do this and think about the people that I know who, for various reasons, are, are just not ever going to experience this. When you say self-talk, does that also include talking out loud? Are you allowed to do that?
1: Absolutely. You can like give yourself a big talking to. I've done that a number of times for sure. So thankfully nobody else is around
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I, if I'm going out on a training run on my own and I've got some work thing work presentation or something to do I'll, I'll find myself talking my way through it as a distraction and suddenly I've done two or three miles and I haven't even realized you know yeah. because I've been so focused on, on what I'm doing what about crew briefing how important because I, I remember when I did the classic quarter someone said to me tell your crew to tell the, to tell you how great you're looking you know no matter how <laughs> crap you're looking or feeling so oh trevor you're looking great you know um and, and they kind of did that really well actually
1: <laughs> oh that's so good i uh, so i wrote a, a blog for utmb and um, and crewing was part of that um i can share it with you if it goes if it maybe it goes into the the podcast notes but i think crewing is two way so crewing is very much your crew supporting you and you helping your crew as much as possible um you know because There may come points where they have to have honest talks with you and say you're getting close to the cutoff come in we're going to do this this and this and get you out of there. Um, You may have to say to them, these are the things that I really like So have them on hand to start with you know there's a whole host of things. When you start approaching an aid station that you know that you have crew at when it's about maybe a KOA, start thinking what the first thing you're going to do when you get to them and give them some instructions. I need my water bottle filling up. I need food. I haven't eaten for two hours. You know, try and give them as much information so they can be as helpful to you.
0: That's really made me smile there because when um, the year before, um, a friend of mine, Andy Williams, who's listened to this, we did the we did a relay of two. So we cruised for each other on the Classic Water Course, did half of each and we got to a point where I was, I was running the first leg and uh, we had a, a meeting point and he said, what do you need? And I, and I, I asked for one Jaffa cake and one specific <laughs> variety of gel, even though I'd given him a massive great bag of stuff. And he's, he's like ru- rummaging around uh, trying everybody... to find <laughs> a very specific thing. <laughs> But I think you're right. I think that, you know, the crew, it's, it's an, it's an underestimated part of these long races. Yeah. I think the, 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 the crew and the way they deal with you and you deal with them. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what else have we got Cass? What else have we got?
1: So I think really it's about those, the strategies that I've shared, they, you know, there are lots more and lots of different ones out there. They're not easy to do, but they do take practice. So I would pick one of them. If you think, okay, what's my mantra going to be for this race? What am I going to say to myself when I know, and also accept you're going to enter the pain cave at some point. If you have a race where you don't, my goodness, that is amazing. But just acknowledge, go, okay, it's going to get really tough mentally at some point. What am I going to do? Am I going to play some music? Am I going to start singing out loud? Am I going, you know, am I going to start repeating my mantra? I think, um, I think one of Courtney DeWalter's mantras, I remember her mentioning it um, a few years ago, which is, this is it'll be fine i'm fine it will you know it it will all be fine in the end or something like that as you just did it on repeat you know something very simple but that it has meaning to you um and i think keep moving you mentioned that earlier if you can just keep moving you will turn even if you're in a difficult place you'll turn your race around
0: yeah that's fantastic because one of my strategies is i try and record podcasts on the run (laughs) and, uh, and then um but I, I, I just, ha- I just like talking to spectators and having banter with them, and I find that helps yes. me a lot. You know, just chatting to them about, and I'll, I'll pretend I'm in the wrong place. You know, so is this St. Ives when I know I'm <laughs> nowhere near St. Ives, and they look at me as though, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this man needs help. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Great stuff. So, um, Cass, how can people find out more about you if, uh, if they want to follow this up, and uh, what, what, you know, what can you offer them on a, on a kind of coaching basis?
1: So uh, our company website is metalrunning.com and it's the same on social, which is uh, at Metal Running and then Metal Running on Facebook. And my personal Insta is Mountain Kaz. We offer coaching. We also do consultancy calls with athletes. So if, you know, people's coaching has gone really well, but they have a big A race coming up. Like I had a chat with a gentleman who was running Tahoe 200. He DNF'd it three times. But we just had an hour chat. So we offer that support service as well. If somebody just wants to have a talk through and just offload everything about their race, we do mental toughness training. um, And those can be in packages. We can talk specific and we can do it with groups as well. So if you've got a couple of you and a couple of buddies want to learn some more mental toughness strategies, we can arrange those workshops as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes for people to click on and find you. And uh, what about your plans for 2024 then? What have you got lined up?
1: Gosh, well, I haven't got anything fixed yet. I'm still waiting for a couple of lotteries to happen. Um, Once I find out about those, I always have like I'll have that anchor race that are maybe the harder ones to get into to see if I do or don't. And then I'll pick um, smaller races that it's just a nice sign up. But yeah, I need to I did quite a lot of flatter running last year. So I'm looking to get my mountain legs back this year.
0: Great stuff. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast and I'm sure all the listeners will, uh, will have gained a huge amount from this cast. So thank you so much for sharing some great insights and, and ideas.
1: Trevor, thank you so much and good luck to everyone racing at ARC and any other you know, ultras that are happening this month. So um, <laughs> January is a tough month to race. So like huge kudos for that. Absolutely.
0: Well, um, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, checking in on some of the runners after they've completed, including, I think, your colleague Harriet, Yay! who who, uh, who fixed this up because um, uh, we kind of had an email exchange about fixing this up, this interview with you, and then uh, gradually she revealed she was uh, doing some running, and then it turned out she's doing the Arc Hundred. So there I we know. go. So Harriet Frost, good luck to you, um, and uh, I'm I'm hoping to get persuaded to come on this podcast and talk about what happened when she did it. So excellent no good luck
1: yes absolutely (laughs) trevor thank you so much it's been a pleasure
0: kaz thank you well you know that was great wasn't it and uh, you know it is so important isn't it getting to grips with the mental side of running and that you know for a lot of people that could be even a half marathon a marathon you know but obviously to an ultra marathon and then as kaz said you start to think you know can i do the 50 can i do 100 can i do 200 and uh, some great tips and ideas, and I've put all of those in the show notes. So that's what's uh, – you can go on there and, and find out about Kaz and all the coaching options that she has and offer to you as well. And don't forget, in the next episode, I've got Toby Lowe coming on to talk about the film that he made uh, with Ali – where are we? Ali Bailey. There we go about the Ali's, uh, Ali's journey to the finishing the Ark of Attrition in 2023. So that's a film premiere. It's going to be fantastic. There's a book coming out as well that goes with that. So, uh, you know, that's a real bonus. So come along to The Running Show and listen out to the next episode. But don't forget, The Running shows on Sunday, January the 14th at the Heartlands Complex, just off the A30 in the Redruth, Camborne area in Cornwall. So it should be easy to get to. Right, let's uh, let's get cracking now and then get ready for uh, the next episode and Toby Toby alone talking on the next episode. See you then.